Yo, what's up, everybody? Grady Show on Dirt coming to you live from the Sweet Bee Studio. Today is actually tonight. Um, I'm recording this right now on Thursday, March 21st. So I've been meaning to get a podcast recorded sometime during the week. And I just figured I don't really have anything planned, but I'm just like, dude, I want to record and talk some baseball. So that's where we're at right now. We're right at a week. Well, less than a week now because Thursday is just about over. Or maybe that is a week until opening day. Literally this time next week, we will just be finishing up or actually probably starting the last round of games on opening day. I'm beyond pumped. Like, everyone that I'm around at work, they're asking me, they say, Quentin, are you excited for the 28th? It's as if they're asking me if I'm excited for, like, my child being born. And I'm like, oh, I absolutely am. I'm going to hold and crest that baby all day next Thursday and just watch every single game. And it is on, man. This has been a long time building up. And there's so many things to be excited for this season. And what's good about baseball right now is there are so many teams, there are so many contenders right now that I don't know who's going to win the World Series. I don't even have a pick right now. But with all of the talk about like there like being no competition in baseball, I dare to say that there. I believe there's a lot of competition in baseball right now. If you look at the National League East, right? The Mets made moves this offseason. The Phillies are, did mad work over the offseason. You've got the Nationals, who did a lot of really good work. And then you've got the Atlanta Braves. And then obviously with the NL Central, the St. Louis Cardinals have just are finalizing a Paul Goldschmidt five-year, $130 million contract extension, which... I'm not surprised at at all because I just figured as soon as Paul got to St. Louis that he was going to stay. And that's coming from a Cubs fan, but the Cardinals have a great organization. And that signing's not surprising to me. And um, it actually sort of makes me mad because, like, that's not good if you're a Cubs fan or a Brewers fan, which I don't care about you if you are. But nonetheless, man, there's a lot of competition there. But then when you look out to, like, the NL West – Dude, there's a lot of question marks in L.A. right now with their pitchers. You know, Walker Buehler's had, you know, some shoulder issues like in the offseason. Clayton Kershaw on his back. And the Phillies, no, excuse me, the uh, San Diego Padres, yeah, they added Manny Machado in the offseason. I don't know if you heard about that or not. It's sort of a big deal. They got Eric Hosmer last season. He played like a bum in all of 2018. But he might be, you know, non-bummish this year. But, dude, the... Um, San Diego Padres got a pitcher. This is a guy to keep your eye on. His name's Chris Paddock, and he's a damn good pitcher. He's looking like he could come in and be a number one, maybe sooner than later. And they're even talking about this rookie pitcher being their opening day starter, which I think maybe has only been done like one or two other times in baseball history. So there's a lot of weird stuff that could happen in the National League West. It's kind of like, oh, damn, okay, like, so you've got the Colorado Rockies who can who could win that division. There's weird things happening with the Padres that I think the Padres are going to be a lot better than what we think they are. Then you sort of have the Dodgers who are like back-to-back World Series appearances, six division titles in a row, and baseball happenings just tells me that that's got to end at some point. And so I'm like, whoa, like there's some really weird stuff there. And then 
go over to the American League and you're talking the Astros and the Athletics and then the Yankees and the Red Sox, then what's Tampa Bay doing? Because they got Charlie Morton and then Tommy Pham, who I talked about on the last podcast, who is one of the most determined baseball players I think that has ever existed, you know, playing beyond all odds. It's amazing that he can see, let alone hit a baseball, dude. One of my favorite baseball players right now, just because of what he represents, what he means, what he does. And just the determination that he plays with, man, I think speaks to fans everywhere, no matter what your profession is, just like with the inspiration he has to maybe inspire someone in their daily life, just to like, I don't know, be stronger, man. It's a huge deal. So exciting season, man. Super pumped about it. Uh, Let's maybe the first thing I'll talk about is Mike Trout. Okay, so Mike Trout, dude, Bryce Harper held the largest North American sports contract for just like a little over three weeks before Mike Trout all of a sudden comes out of the woodwork. I didn't even expect this. I was at work. It was like 1 p.m. I think like two days ago. And I get on MLB.com because I'm at work. So like I don't want to work. So mid-meeting and I open this. I'm like, holy sh- crap. Mike Trout, I must cuss, just signed a $430 million contract. I think the final number was 12 years and $426.5 million. Holy crap. On the breakdown, if you break that contract down into the simplest numbers, it's some of the most absurd things in the world. It's unfathomable, man. He, Mike Trout will make $221,000 for every baseball game he plays. That's the greatest thing in the world. Could you imagine... Playing baseball, and at the end of it, you're getting paid as much as a doctor does. (laughs) Like, a really good doctor at that. Like, doctor, here's your paycheck. Like, I just got that in one day, and Mike Trout's not going to get hit with any sort of malpractice. He makes as much as a brain surgeon for playing a game of baseball. Like, one game, dude. I think, on average, the number that my brother sent me was, like, per day, because baseball players are like teachers, right? Um, they get off, but they're off in the winters. So per day, he makes $89,000 a day. Like that's the average 365 days a year because that's what's up. $89,000 a day. Dude, I would buy so much stuff. It would be wild. I always talk about on this podcast, like what I would do with a baseball player salary like that. Dude, and I've got Mike Trout salary. I would just buy like a house and... And then when that house got dirty, as opposed to like calling someone to clean it, I would just buy another house, dude. It's so wild, man. But I'm pumped for him, dude. Stellar move from the Angels, man, being super proactive and just signing this guy at $426 million without any sort of bidding war. And it's assumed that he would just hit free agency and break free agency, right? Like, There are guys like Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimbrell sit unsigned. Bryce Harper, you know, Bryce Harper didn't get what everyone expected. Bryce was looked at as the half a billion dollar guy. And Manny Machado was looked at to get maybe like 400 million. And things didn't play out for them like we thought. The bidding wars weren't there. And you wonder, because everyone always assumed like even after these guys signed this season that that, uh, Mike Trout somehow would be immune to a 
the non-aggressiveness for big free agents in the marketplace. You know, I look at Mike Trout as this very Paul Bunyan-esque character that he'll never have a decline. I cannot imagine a Mike Trout decline. I can't. I don't see it ever happening. Like, I think it's just not going to happen. I think he's going to play till he's like 40 and be really good. Uh, I hope so, at least. And I think that this contract was really good for Trout because I don't think he was interested in testing free agency because I don't know that even the money would have really been there for Mike Trout because that's just a lot of risk, man. It's a lot of risk for a team to take on that hasn't had Mike Trout. But I think maybe in the situation that the Angels were in, they're like, dude, if we let Mike Trout go, that's going to really hurt our franchise because we're just the L.A. Angels. We're not the L.A. Dodgers. So we really need him for our market. And the team can more than afford him. You know, every baseball owner is a billionaire, and I believe the Los Angeles Angels are about to sign a $3 billion television contract. And a lot of that really rides on Mike Trout. So with how they did this, I imagine it was just Dodge or Angels ownership saying, well, this is the investment. You know, we want these TV deals and we need to invest in Mike Trout, who has some of the nuttiest stats in the world, right? Like as it sits right now, his wins above replacement right now, it's 99th all time. Dude's played like, I think, seven full seasons in Major League Baseball and his wins above replacement is already 99th all time in Major League Baseball history. So right now, what we're saying is Mike Trout, after seven full seasons, so his age 19 season, he only played 40 games. That wasn't even enough to qualify for Rookie of the Year. So seven full seasons, he's already a top 100 player, and if he stopped playing right now, he would go to the Hall of Fame first ballot. What in the world? These numbers are so wild. But listen to this with Mike Trout, and I want to say these numbers, man, because I'm guilty of not appreciating the greatness of Mike Trout because he plays in Anaheim. Listen, I'm old, right? At 10 p.m., I'm in bed because if I don't get like six or seven hours of sleep, I'm a different human. I'm a zombie who just wakes up in the morning like, oh, give me Pop-Tarts, and then I don't want to, I don't know if that was a zombie voice or not. Zombies don't talk. But, like, I'm just, I'm not that kind of person, man. I I don't have drive in my life. I'm perpetually lazy. And anything that can be done right now can be done two days from now, okay? So it's just like, whatever, dude. I don't watch a lot of 10 p.m. baseball. And I've been guilty of, like, not appreciating this guy enough. But, like, check these numbers out, right? I'm going to shout these off to you courtesy of ESPN.com. Okay, so I'm going to compare Mike Trout's first 1,000 games. And this article was published last June of 2018, right? So midway through last season, Mike Trout hit his 1,000 game mark. And what ESPN did was they took Mike Trout's numbers through his first 1,000 games and compared those numbers to other guys who are leaders in those categories. So for example, the all-time leader in hits is Pete Rose, okay? Through Pete's first 1,000 games, Pete Rose had... 1,231 hits. Mike Trout has 1,126 hits. And what's so wild about that number is Mike Trout probably gets walked a lot, way more than like what Pete Rose did. 
And that, that's a big number. You know, granted, Pete Rose had way more hits the second thousand games he played. And Mike Trout's not going to hit 4,300 hits or whatever like that. But it's just impressive that what he's able to do. And what's so impressive about what Trout does is he gets walked so many times, and which that tells me that he's not getting a lot of pitches to hit. But he doesn't try to force the situation. So he'll run a 460 on base and still bat over 300 and not strike out, you know, an absurd Bo Jackson amount of times. I love Bo Jackson. That's no dig at Bo. If you ain't first, you're last. But it's just super impressive what he can do and how he can spot the baseball and really see it. The total base leader, Hank Aaron, through his first 1,000 games, had 2,000 221 total bases, and he's the all-time leader in that category. Hell, Mike Trout's got 2,100. He's like 120 behind him, right? Barry Bonds, this might not be super fair, but granted, Barry Bonds could hit 35 and 40 home runs before he started hitting the sauce. Listen, through Barry Bonds, and also Barry, man, love him or hate him, one of the best athletes to ever play this game. You know, do I think he had the natural abilities of Ken Griffey Jr.? I think those abilities were different. Griffey was a way better home run hitter, but I would say speed and defense. Maybe Barry was a little better. I don't know. I, I personally like Ken Griffey Jr. way better as a player, and I've always said if you gave Ken Griffey Jr. the steroids that they gave Barry Bonds, I think Griffey would hit a 1,000 home runs and might still be playing right now. But Barry Bonds only had 172 home runs through his first 1,000 games. Oh, Trout's got 224. Trout has 754 runs scored through his first 1,000 games. Ricky Henderson, who leads in that category, had 795. It's wild, man. Um, and like, like I said, his wins above replacement, he's a 12 wins ahead of what Barry Bonds was through his first 1,000 games. It, it, those are nuts, man. Those are impressive stats with all-time greats that played this game. Pete Rose, Hank Aaron, Barry Bonds, Ricky Henderson, all studs. And Mike Trout is right there with them. It's unbelievable. And then a couple. there's one other number I saw that I just loved. Listen to this. Dude, Trout's age 25 season, Trout had the second highest career war through his age 25 season. The only guy ahead of him was Ty Cobb. Like, these numbers are, they're ungodly, like, what he can do. You know, there are, there are nine guys right now in the 600 home run club. And among all of those guys, only A-Rod and Albert Pujols had more home runs than Trout at his 26th birthday. And you can't, like... Listen, Sammy Sosa's in the 600 home run club, so that's a weird comparison because he took a lot of steroids post-career. But guys that are in that 600 home run club, that that number is super impressive that Mike Trout is ahead of, is one, Willie Mays. Two, Ken Griffey Jr. Those guys were some of the best athletes to ever grace this game. Those are historically, I mean, they're gods among baseball. If baseball had a Mount Rushmore, those two guys might be on it. I know if I ever post anything on social media related to King Griffey Jr., I get some of my best responses. And he's just loved because of who he was and how great of an athlete he was. Not Griffey was a phenomenal person, but 
that we really loved the person because that athletic ability paired with it was like the perfect storm of a guy that everybody could love. And the fact that that home run pace that trouts ahead of those two guys, it's it's unworldly right now. It's just unbelievable. Um, and that contract, man, I, I think it's 100% worth it. I think he's worth it. One of the things I'm super interested to see, man, is I, I look at other baseball players and you know they're going to decline, right? Like Bryce Harper's going to decline. Like those things are going to happen. Manny Machado will as well. But for some odd reason, when I look at Mike Trout, dude, I cannot envision a traditional decline for Mike Trout. Things that he does, like, you know, he when you, when you get a guy that's four or five years into his career and can adjust his approach at the plate seemingly under his own free will as well as improve his defense. If you look at a guy like that, and it's just like, I get it, man. Baseball players decline, but there's something very Michael Jordan-esque about this guy that's just different. And it's a shame that not everyone knows that. Colin Cowherd just the other day he said some stuff on his podcast, and it was basically like, congratulations, Mike Trout. You're now the richest athlete and completely irrelevant. And it hurts me that people think that sort of thing, man. And I think this needs to be for sure on Major League Baseball to start to push this guy, man. Give him incentives to do more on social media. You know, I think Mike Trout's perfectly okay with just being the quiet guy. But it's just a shame that I don't think this guy's recognized enough. Um. And I, and I think Major League Baseball just doesn't do a good enough job that, you know, what we're dealing with right now is a historically great player. And when Barry Bonds was doing great things, we knew it, right? When Alex Rodriguez was like, we knew it. When um, King Griffey Jr. was, we knew it. But then we've got Trout, and it's like Mike Trout doesn't have that universal appeal that Griffey or Bonds, or like A-Rod had, and it's like, okay, I don't expect you to be King Griffey Jr., like, I get that, but, I mean, I don't, you know, if, if the Los Angeles Angels come to your town, and people are buying a lot of tickets, honestly, right now, it's probably because of Otani, I don't know, um, I'm sitting on a pair of tickets right now for the Angels and the Orioles that I got pretty close for pretty cheap, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, two of the best players in Major League Baseball are on that team, and it's just like, whoa, Dang, like I got those tickets pretty easy, but um, nonetheless, man, I'm sort of just ranting. Like I said, I didn't plan anything for this podcast. I'm I just hit record, so if you've made it with me through these first 18 minutes, God bless you. Leave a review, and I'll give you a sticker. You know the routine. Um, next on the list, man, what do I want to talk about? Oh, okay, this is a tough one, man. And I put this one off for last week's episode, but um, the Major League Baseball rule changes. Oh boy, there's some stuff that Major League Baseball's proposed. And to be honest with you, with the mic in my face, the only one I can name is the one that people are so pissed off about, which is the three batter minimum for relievers. Holy crap. There are a lot of strong opinions on this, man. A ton. And I don't know... If I know where to begin. Okay, so as soon as the news broke of it, I immediately got on Twitter and people were losing their minds. Like someone had just like kicked a baby 
And it was just like, why change the game? Why change the rules? The game is completely fine the way it is. This is useless and it doesn't solve anything, right? And then other people are like, yes, we need this rule change for baseball to get to where it needs to be and it be a game that people can watch and enjoy more, maybe digest a little easier. You know, baseball's sort of going gluten-free here, right? Where it's like, listen, we got to keep these relievers in some more because when it's getting to the crunch time of a baseball game and three batters are up and with each batter is an accompanied pitcher change, that slows the game down so much it kills the tension. And it's just like, you know, with Tom Brady in like a two-minute drive to win the game or whatever – you don't go to commercial break after every snap. That would probably kill the mood. So I get both sides of this thing because I've said this a hundred times on the podcast. The problem with baseball, I don't believe is the pace of play, right? I will sit in front of the TV for four, five, six, seven, eight hours. Don't try me. I'll go 10, right? I'll do anything for... For sports, I'll do anything for my team. Length of time doesn't bother me, right? I'll ruin my relationship with everyone around me for a good baseball game. I'll not show up for work. I'll drop every commitment I have. If you need a ride from the airport or to the airport and the Cubs game is in inning 12, uh, you're not going to your final destination. Sorry, our friendship could be over, but listen, my team needs me, and I don't care what the hours are. I'm going to get after it, dude. That's just that's just what it's going to be right now. And so that's what the pace of play thing. I'm like, dude, if the product's great, dude, people will take it in, man, and it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. It's sort of like I, got, I'm, I have a MacBook Air in front of me right now, which was probably when I bought it, like $1,300. You realize I could have got an HP from Walmart for $250 that would do what I do, which is record a dumb podcast, right? I, you listen to this. I don't do any fancy cutting. You understand? So it's like consumers do dumb things. And so I'll be an idiot, and so will everyone else, and we'll watch a game, a good game for four hours We don't care. I won't go to church to watch a game, which essentially means I'll burn in hell forever for sports, right? It's it's what it is. So, like, I look at that and I'm like, okay, so I, I don't think the pace of play is the problem. So part of me looks at this rule and I can easily agree with the people that think it's dumb because Rob Manfred is introducing all of these changes to try to speed up the game. And I commend him for it because none of the changes I really have a problem with, but I get where people are coming from. And Rob Manfred was kind of like, hey, you know, I'll sort of like reserve the right to pull this back if I think the backlash is going to be like real bad from fans and players. And he might be looking at that because it's sort of like, what Applebee's did a few years ago where they were, tr- and I can't believe Applebee's is such a shithole to eat at, but I love half price apps. So sue me. And they were like trying to appeal to more millennials. So they changed like their whole marketing campaign to do so. But what they did was they basically took a big dump on their current client base and then they lost way more business because of it. And I think what major league baseball might have to worry about in a situation like this is pissing off their main base of fans 
And then that would be a bad thing, right? And so in that case, you would not want to make this rule change because you'll piss off you could possibly piss off your dedicated fan base so much that it's going to irk a few of them and you know that that would be bad for your brand. You're going to piss off a brand advocate and I don't know if you pissed off a thousand people, maybe a couple of those were on the fence anyway, and maybe they just start watching baseball a little less. You know, we don't want that at all. So when I look at that as compared to like, well, will this really bring fans in? And I'm like, I don't know, man. I got a bunch of buddies who don't really care that much for baseball, and this one rule isn't going to make them be like, holy crap, baseball finally made it to where relievers got to face three guys. Baseball, I'm coming back to you. Right, that's never ever going to happen. It's it's just not the case, right? Um, but then for the fans that want to see this change in place, I get that move as well because there's not one thing that's going to make baseball how it was in its heyday, like in the '90s before the strike, like pre-strike MLB was the most famous sport in pop culture. It was all um, transcendent beyond a sport. All baseball was. So many famous baseball players, everything. And then even post-strike, when you had some good steroid-era baseball with Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire breaking Roger Maris's record in the same season, a phenomenal year of baseball. I mean, holy crap. I mean, the, be- the best I've ever seen, right? I'm 35. Um, that's just great. But like, so obviously there's never going to be one main thing that's going to fix that and get us back to where we were. But there's always like the thing where it's like, well, you have to try, you know, you running a marathon sucks. So it's like, oh my God, like I'm, I just can't do this in a few steps, but it's like those little steps build up to something big. So it's sort of just like, Hey, we have to, like, what can we do now for the game of baseball? If it makes it better, like, does it need to make it 100% better? Like, no, you can't run a, a full marathon in, like, an hour. You have to dedicate hours to this thing. So it's kind of like that with baseball. Like, hey, all of these little changes will help to change the game. And if we can speed it up a little bit, and if speeding up the game of baseball, if I sit here right now and tell you, like I just did, that making it faster won't help, well, one, I'm not everybody, and I have a different relationship with the game that uh, that other people do. Like, not everybody has the same relationship with Major League Baseball, right? So, with all these little changes that come into play, just because I say, well, it won't help baseball, but will it hurt baseball? And if the answer is that it won't hurt baseball, then you might as well make that little change of the intentional walk or a relief pitcher minimum or a pitch clock or mound fits. It's do those things because it's not going to hurt baseball. We know it's not going to hurt baseball, but what if there's a little bit of a chance it could help baseball? Well, then we owe it to the game to protect the game, right? The, the fans of Major League Baseball, the players union, the owners, the managers all owe it to Major League Baseball to take care of the ba- to take care of the game that's given so much to us. So you've got to do what you can for the game no matter how small that is. It matters 100%. It does. So I can totally see this thing from both sides, man. I really believe it. 
And I just think that, um, I think what's important, man, when you have any conversation with a friend or someone on Twitter is, dude, there are no, um, it just, you know, it's not black and white, man. There are no absolutes in the conversations that we're having right now. And, you know, I, I've thought about this for like the last week and a half. Like, well, what's my opinion on this? Quentin, what is my opinion on this as I speak to myself like Ricky Henderson in the third person? And the truth is, I don't think I give a shit one way or the other. As a fan and how I consume the game, the only thing I really care about is making the game better. Like, So that's it. Like, that's my main concern. Am I going to be irked? If this rule goes through, no. Am I going to be pissed if the rule doesn't go through? No. What I would do if I were Major League Baseball, if I was Rob Manfred and somehow passed the drug test to be the commissioner of Major League Baseball, what I would do is I would just leave the game how it is. But when those pitching changes happen in the late innings of a game when we're talking platoon matchups and it's the seventh inning and Bruce Bochy's matching up lefties with lefties and righties and righties and we're seeing a pitching change with every batter. What I would do if I was Major League Baseball is I would make it to where the games did not go to commercial break. And what we saw in that time was hardcore analysis, data, thoughts on what is happening in the game from the announcers. I want the announcers talking strategy in this very moment like a football announcer does. Football can go to timeout and the game doesn't go to commercial break. And what you get is you get the announcers, they're talking strategy about, you know, what that coach is thinking, what this coach is thinking. Tony Romo's predicting plays like he does all of the time. So if you don't want to change the rule, Rob Manfred, because you think that it's going to piss off your main fan base and it's going to really piss off the players and the managers and things like that, just eliminate the commercial breaks in those pitching changes. So instead, if we're going to see a new pitcher with every batter, like happens a lot, and you don't want to take the strategy out of the, you don't want to take that particular strategy out of a game because if this rule change were to go through, it would not take strategy out of the game. We would just see different strategy, right? But if you don't want to do this because you're worried that it, it could hurt the game, if you're possibly worried that this might be the one that hurts the game, I'll tell you what wouldn't hurt the game is eliminating those commercial breaks. So when we're seeing a new pitcher with a new batter, don't go to commercial. Get those announcers to give me what I want, man. I want to know the strategy. I want to know what each manager's thinking. I want to know what the hitter's thinking. I want to know how the hitter's fared against this lefty in the past or how he fares against lefties in general. Give me the info, man. Tell me about this, dude. Build up this drama like Vince McMahon does with WWF. His whole sport is fake. They play fight in tights with shaved legs. And the tension in that sometimes is way more than what Major League Baseball is. Truth be told, I want Major League Baseball announcers need to do better, man. I do not want to hear a television announcer talk about fishing with his nephew. I bet that was a fun trip on Lake Erie. I bet it was great. I don't give a shit. You understand what I'm saying? I want the guts 
of this game and what's happening right now. Sell me this game, man. Sell me on the drama. Sell me on the tension. And do it Vince McMahon style, man. That's what I love. Greatest show on dirt. We're at 31 minutes. I'm going to cut this episode off, man. This was an improv episode midweek. I finally did it, man. Thank you for listening. If you made it this far, man. If you love this episode or any episode, you can still always, man. I keep excellent greatest show on dirt stickers i always got them on deck and i love to send them out man tell us how we're doing leave us you can leave a review on facebook with five stars and a nice comment please um you can leave me a review on itunes and google play with five stars and a comment if you do that man and screenshot that review and send it to me you can message us. Uh, we're on every social media. We're on Instagram, Greatest Show on Dirt. We're on Twitter, Greatest on Dirt. And we're on Facebook, just search The Greatest Show on Dirt. And DM that to us, man. I would love to send you a sticker. And the stickers are very versatile, dude. Like I've said in the past, if you got a ding on your car, maybe you backed into a pole, put a sticker over it, dude. You got a hole in the butt of your jeans because you ate too many Pop-Tarts like me because they cook phenomenal in the microwave. Put a Greatest Show on Dirt sticker on your butt. I don't care, man. But the stickers are great. I got them from Sticker Mule. They're waterproof. I got I got Greatest Show on Dirt stickers on my cooler when I go out to the lake and drink too many hams. I drink to the upper end of social and I have fun. And guess what? My sticker looks great on my cooler, guys. Thanks for listening. Peace, man. And um, we'll get back to you soon. We'll probably record um, Sunday again to get you uploaded for Monday. So take care. Thanks. This is Quentin signing off. Breaker 1-9 over and out. Take care, guys.